Coming to you from the ugliest building in the Gulch, it's the Nashville Scenecast. I'm scene editor D. Patrick Rogers. If you like us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rate us and leave comments. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks to Jeff the Brotherhood for providing our intro music, Diamond Way, from the album We Are the Champions. And thanks to scene intern Jason Saita, who cuts together all of our episodes. Today's scenecast is brought to you by It's All Your Fault, a new podcast from the scene about the Nashville Predators. The show features David Beauclair and Megan Sealing talking about all things Preds. Beauclair has covered the team for two decades, which gives him as much perspective on the franchise as anyone in Nashville. Sealing was a Predators fan before even moving to Nashville five years ago, keeps a small shrine for Victor Arvidsson, and is personal friends with Peter Laviolette's turtle. That last bit may or may not be true. With one insider and one outsider and a range of guests, they'll follow the team's quest to return to the Stanley Cup Finals. You can subscribe to It's All Your Fault on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn today. I'm scene editor D. Patrick Rogers. For the scene's second annual food industry survey, we made a list of chefs, general managers, and owners at many of the best restaurants in town, and we made them a deal. We give you a list of questions, and all we ask is that you respond with honesty. We asked more than 60 people to participate, and roughly 40 responded. By agreeing to withhold their identities, we got a look at Nashville's dining scene through the eyes of those most responsible for its current success. This week on the Scenecast, we talked to contributors Steve Cavendish and Chris Chamberlain about our annual food industry survey. All right, I'm here with scene contributors Steve Cavendish. Well, hello. And Chris Chamberlain. Glad to be here. Hey guys, and uh, thanks for your contributions this week in putting together our annual food industry survey. So I wanted to go ahead and dive right in and talk about some of the responses we got from, about how many respondents did we get this year? Somewhere around 40? Yeah, it was around 40. We asked almost 60 uh, chefs, general managers, owners, restaurateurs, I mean, however you want to... Restaurant want to say is that as long as I don't have to type or spell restaurant tour, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've got that on uh, that on autocorrect pretty quickly. But we made a conscious effort to try and broaden the survey this year to get more women involved, not just white dudes. Right. And uh, luckily, we were able to get some responses yeah, back that showed a little more. The racial mix was, was a little better this year, um, but uh, that's actually one of the questions in the survey is about kind of minority representation uh, within the within the restaurant community, uh, as always. Go to go to nationalscene.com. You can see all 20 questions. That's right. Um, and, and yeah, I know we, we sort of broadened it this year. I think last year we had somewhere around 30 respondents, so it's up a bit this year. Um, and, of course, we guaranteed their anonymity in response for their full, unbridled honesty. Yeah, that's just something that Chris and I, when we launched this last year, we were big fans of uh, Sports Illustrated and what they do with general managers is they go to, they, they go to them and say, okay, we want – what you really think, but you know, speaking in public uh, for people who run, you know, public restaurants, uh, just like general managers speaking in, you know, speaking to the press uh, in baseball or basketball or whatever else, it it can be very political. And so, what we wanted them to do was to give us as honest an answer as they possibly could without the repercussions of somebody coming back and saying, hey, you know, you didn't like my restaurant or was this aimed at me or, you know, that, that sort of thing. And I think, you know, we, we go through the, we take it very seriously. We don't let people kind of make personal attacks 
kind of within there. But, you know, we do want pointed answers, and uh, I think we got it. Yeah. Once you sort of take the diplomacy off the table of having to, you know, be nice to everybody, then you sort of get down to Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, chefs chefs and, and, and owners all eat at each other's restaurants, and so, you know, if you own a restaurant and then I'm a chef and somebody asks me out in public, I'll say, well, you know, I always love the oysters over at uh, Patrick Rogers' place. I mean, that place is fantastic. I wouldn't recommend them. Um, but And so we wanted to kind of get past that. And then we understand that they that they do that with their friends. And that's, hey, that's great. I mean, I understand. Sure. It's a very, it tends to mirror Nashville. Nashville's a nice town. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody really likes to put a, a lot of words sideways with, with someone else. So... Sure. You think you think that's that's fair, Chris? Yeah, it comes down to don't spit in that cop's burger, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. Well, one of my favorite questions that I wanted to start off with was what we asked: uh, What trend would you like to see thrown in a wood-burning oven? Chris, what'd you what'd you hear back on that? Well, to summarize a few responses, I think it boils down to: We are totally over your hipster communal table, open fire, charred vegetable bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh. a, that's absolutely true. Uh, there. They're really, really over uh, avid Yelpers uh, and uh, Instagram influencers, uh, and, and you know they I, when, Yelp is Yelp is an entirely other sort of uh, question that we that we could get into because it it is a real sore spot with chefs around town. Uh, just kind of some of the bullshit that they have to put up with on there. I, I know I was talking to someone at a restaurant. Uh, that had they got a one star review off of Yelp because the because the pizza that they picked up and took home was cold by the time it, they took it home and they're like well fuck we can't control that <laughs> and if you come into a restaurant wearing your your elite Yelper sash I don't think you're really going to get any of that extra attention you, might, you were hoping for yeah, might not get the best service. by the way if you're listening to this don't do that <laughs> please don't do that. Another trend that they really are over is hot chicken, anything that's not chicken. Sure. Right. So, and probably hot chicken in general. If you're not already open, I think it seemed like a lot of the restaurateurs and and chefs said, we've reached maximum hot chicken in this town right now. Yeah. Just like, just like I think everybody was over sort of your modern take on Southern food a few years ago. They were really over your take on hot anything. Deconstructed hot chicken. Exactly. You know, yeah, we got Deconstructed hot mac and cheese. (laughs) I mean, they would like to see all of those sort of dishes go away. And I think they're right. I mean, Nashville is known for hot chicken because the hot chicken here is unique and great and flavorful. And there's there's a lot of really great places uh, that you can go and get it. But you don't have to put that on your menu. Right. Just and, because you're in Nashville. And once the chicken shows up on the menu at KFC and O'Charlie's and the fish shows up at Arby's, I think it's probably time to yeah, look for something new. Go be ahead of the trend. Don't Don't be behind KFC. I think that's what we call critical mass <laughs> when it reaches KFC. Uh, so something else I wanted to ask about. Um, we asked folks what's gotten better in the past year since our last survey, what's gotten worse. Now with best, a lot of people actually said Plaza Mariachi, yep. um, which of course is great. If you haven't been there, it's wonderful. Um, and also there were some mentions about how sort of the restaurant scene's gotten more tightly knit or grown closer. Um, but what I also wanted to dive into is what's gotten worse. What did people have to say about that? I mean, I think I think the people, the sh- the chefs and the people that own restaurants, uh, kind of feel the the critical mass of restaurants that are here in town. Um, is there a bubble? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, it sure feels like it. 
uh, given the the sheer number of really good restaurants that have that have uh, opened here in the last three to five years. I mean, there's good restaurants that have closed here in the, in the last year. I mean, Koshan Butcher is a, was a really good place, uh, and for whatever reason, whether it's you know lack of foot traffic traffic in Germantown or the model or parking sucks on, in that part of town or whatever it is. I mean, it didn't. It did not make it, and so they pulled the plug on it. Um, but I think there's. I think there are the chefs and owners are acutely aware of the, the amount of dining dollars that there are to go around. Uh, and you know, I've talked to a couple of chefs here in the last six months who have said who have been thinking about opening another restaurant, and they're like, you know what? Maybe I'll open a bar, but I'm not going to open another mm-hmm. restaurant right now. They just think it's saturated. One of the verbatim responses was the piece of the pie you get is a lot smaller. Mm. And I was worried they were talking about like Arnold's or something like that. <laughs> so that had me all uptight. But really, it's it's like a balloon that's too full. They're feeling the pressure and it's starting to hit in the ancillary parts of the service. You're seeing you can't get good help. The help you get is not trained. They don't stay in one place. Real estate is an issue for everyone trying to either yep. maintain a restaurant that they've been in for 10 years or looking for a new spot. So all those go back to competition, just the sheer, you know, the number of, of establishments that have opened for good or for bad. Um, though I'll argue with you that I think it's a bubble. Um, I'm working on an essay about that right now. So I think it's cyclical. And I think yeah, that's, that, that could be yeah. fair um, in, in any respect. There's a lot of restaurants competing for, for, for the same dollars. And one of the answers that was in here, uh, one younger chef said, I have mixed feelings about established chefs and restaurateurs from other cities building outposts here. I mean, the great thing about Nashville is, um, you know, for whatever its city publicity you, you may or may not kind of, kind of like or, or loathe about, about the city, lots of people love, the, love this place and want to be here. Uh, you know, the number that's bandied about is 100 people a day move to the region. And those people have dollars and they're going to spend them someplace. And people around the country have been watching that. So Jonathan Waxman opening Adele's here a couple of years ago. Gerard Kraft opening Pastoria last year. Um, R.J. Cooper coming, who's, who, was a, who was a Beard Award winning chef, coming in to be the opening chef at Henley, uh, are indications that people have noticed Nashville. Uh, and that's going to continue to happen. And and for chefs who have been here for a while, I mean, I think it rubs some of them the wrong way a little bit. You know, they're like, hey, we were here. We've been trying to build our name here, trying to build our cred. You have investors and, you know, a couple million dollars. So you can you can open a you, know, you can open a, a, a version of what you opened in another city. But I think some of the chefs do see the difference between a Sean Brock, a Manit Shohan, yep. a Gerard Kraft, people that move here, people right. that invest here. I think they're adding something to Nashville, but people that come over and and dump a restaurant out of an airplane and fly <laughs> off, they're taking something from Nashville. Yep. You know, they're trying to pull profits out. They're trying to d- dilute the, the labor pool. So, and I think that's speaking for the chefs in this case. I think that's where a lot of the friction comes from. Yeah, we didn't ask this year uh, most overrated chefs because um, we just we just felt like we'd asked it last year. But the the winner last year was Jonathan Waxman, who is very rarely at his post at Adele's, and I think that's what people chafe at. But I mean, you know, Sean Brock lives in East Nashville, right? 
Um, he lives here. They're not cashing in on the Nashville thing. Right. They're actually parts of the community. People feel that way. Yeah. Right. Um, well, this one's kind of a fun one, uh, and we had a pretty interesting variety of answers on this, this sort of a two-part question, which was, what's the favorite, your favorite thing that you ate in the past year? And then, other side of that coin, what's something that wasn't such a hit for you in the past year? And I think we had at least one thing cross over and land on separate people's list for Yeah, the, the roasted chicken at Josephine's was on both a love and hate list. Huh. Um, and, you know. Takes all kinds. Your, your mileage may vary officially. <laughs> hey, I've roasted chickens that have been great, and I've roasted some really bad chickens <laughs> in my life. And oh, that's right. It's only about five minutes and a little bit of inattentiveness difference <laughs> between those two. So I could see that happening. Um, there were some, you know, there were some interesting answers on here. Partially, we wanted to know kind of what chefs, you know, what they, what they really crave. Uh, the butter beans at 404, uh, somebody loved, um, the beef heart tartare at Black Rabbit, which is, uh, Trey, and I'm going to mispronounce his last name, Trey Kacha. Yeah, um, Trey, his new place downtown, uh, which is just great. And he's one of our Iron Fork competitors. He's an Iron Fork competitor. Um, Everything at Bastion was uh, was 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 labeled, uh, and you know it's interesting. All over the survey, and particularly here in the Loves, um, uh, Lisa Marie White, who is the pastry chef at Marsh House and the Thompson Hotel, so you can get her stuff at Killebrew, the coffee shop that's that's down in the base of it. People love them some Lisa Marie White, and I got to tell you, I agree with them <laughs> because she is fantastic. And one thing I love about her is she is a pastry chef that you might actually see during the day. Yeah. Because I rarely get a chance to thank the pastry chefs that made dessert because they're home by the time I go to dinner. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to run into Lisa working because she's working all three of those restaurants. Yeah, and she's not, yeah, she's not in there at 2 a.m. To, to, to start everything out. Um, some stuff that people didn't like. Uh, uh, somebody had a – somebody really hated the burger at Fifth and Taylor. Hmm. Um the whole chicken at Josephine. Somebody said, uh, you know, that was on both sides. Uh, and somebody, somebody wanted to pile on two boots. Uh, gluten, <laughs> the gluten-free pizza. Gluten-free pizza. Well, How do you, you accidentally get that? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know what you're paying for. If you I didn't. mean, gluten-free pizza. There's, there's a word in there that I'm gonna determine there that should be an indication that this is not gonna be good pizza. Look, man, you asked for it, you got it. What do you want? <laughs> um, one of the things that went along with this, the question after that, we asked people, uh, when I'm really craving dessert, I want uh, X. Uh, and chefs uh, hopped in, I, again, a lot of love for Lisa Marie White. Uh, Rebecca Tertian, who's the, who is the uh, pastry chef over at City House, uh, got a lot, lot of love at well, uh, as well. People love the bread pudding at Arnold's. Of course. Um, sure. Absolutely. Um, Sunday at Henrietta Red. Uh, and this one was great. Uh, Leland Riggins caramel cake. Now you have to have been around Nashville a while and go and to know who Leland Riggins is. Uh, and I'm I'm lucky. Leland Riggins actually made my wedding cake. Um, <laughs> was a, was a great great buttercream frosting. You I, were so on point. Uh, I was so on point <laughs> so many years ago. Um, but uh, but there's there's some great sort of suggestions in there. Um, you know, some people are partial to the stuff like. The soft serve at Bobby's di- uh, Bobby's Dairy Dip. Are you a, are you a soft serve guy, Chris? I do love me some soft serve. You love Bobby's? I, I like Bobby's. It's uh you know now that it's around all year, it's not quite as special as it was when you had when you knew the opening of Bobby's season. So I will say uh, I have done the I've done the duo where you go to. 
go to the Hattie B's next door. The hot and cold. And and then you go cool it off right right next door at at, at Bobby's. I'm I'm a big big fan. Uh, and there's a there's another thing on there too that the old old Nashvilleians will uh, recognize the skillet uh, chocolate chip cookie from Bricktops. But this is also the exact same <laughs> item that was on the menu at that exact same location when it was Houston's for decades. Uh, and it is it is absolutely a favorite, and I, I get it almost every time I'm in there. Well, one thing that seemed to kind of be divisive that got a a, a lot of uh, heated responses was when we brought up the Food and Wine Festival, uh, Music City Food and Wine Festival. So I think our question, the way we worded it is, what would you change about that? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Tried to make it kind of a positive question, at least leading. <laughs> we said, you know, it's raised the city's food profile. What would you change about it? And then the flames began. Yeah, right. Um, so let's. So Chris, let's talk about last year's festival um, because I think we both heard the same feedback from the people who were participating, and it showed up in the survey. The alcohol to food ratio was like was way out of balance. It's gotten very boozy, yeah. and the difference between. Offering a taste and offering a drink got mulled, got muddled during the end of the day, and I think people had already run out of food to hand out. So at that point, you've got no food to to wash it or to to soak it up with, and lots of drinks. And I think the chefs felt like they were just feeding a bunch of drunk people, right? <laughs> Particularly late late in the day on that uh, well that Friday night. I mean that that Friday night, and then the you know by midday, mid to late Saturday afternoon. There were a lot of people talking about about kind of what a what a drunk fest it was. And I personally love the idea of the Friday night tasting because I think it's a way to get your your happy hour, your dinner, your social night Absolutely. out, all for Rolled one price. And I, I I wish the locals had taken a little more advantage of it. And now maybe they'll understand it and pace themselves a little better and realize that they're not going to run out of booze. So. Nashville, pace ourselves. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> well, there were no pedal taverns circling the <laughs> tent, so that's good. So something that something that came up at Food and Wine last year um, was the kind of the ratio of personalities to to local food professionals, uh, and this is this has been sort of the the, the push and pull that this event has uh, because it's a it's a destination ticket item. Do you want to have do you want to have big names and have those be the draw or you know the so-called celebrity chefs who are on TV who who have cook, you know national cookbooks that people know or do you want to showcase Nashville chefs uh, and that's a you know I don't envy the the event organizers in this because that is going to be that that's always going to be a push and pull is like how you bring people in and an, an overwhelming amount of chefs number of chefs really felt like more emphasis should be put on the local chefs. And it's not just the number of chefs under the tent. It's the spotlight that's being being placed on them. You right. Know, yeah. Who gets to do the big demos? Who's got the, the tent? Who's who's at Harvest Night? Um, which was a very small number of local chefs. Yeah. Harvest Night, which is the big, it's the big Saturday night event. There's a, usually a concert that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kings of Leon guys are usually responsible for the music for it. Yeah, they have something to do with it. Usually. Yeah, and, and they they and Ken Levitan have been investors in mm-hmm. Music City Food and the Wine. Um, they, I think I, I want I want to say that there were five. I, I'm I'm sure the number on that's wrong, but five out of like fifteen or twenty chefs. Now, part of it is is like you want the chance to 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 shake the hands of some of these chefs and talk to them and 
you know, see what they were thinking when they when they made this dish for you. Uh, and I know I did. I, I, I saw some people, I, I saw several chefs that I, that I hadn't had a chance to eat their food in their restaurants that I was kind of excited. Oh, I'm going to get a, a, get a chance to at least kind of sample this. Um, but, you know, a couple of extra locals in there, I think, would go a long way mm-hmm. towards it. And you know, there's, there's certainly the talent in town to be, to be a draw for a, lot of, for, for a lot of ticket buyers. Uh, so lots of suggestions on what to change then, it sounds like. Um, this part I found really pretty interesting is a um, uh, very lo- local-specific thing. What are the most underserved parts of town as far as uh, good places to eat? Um, and we did a bit of a, a, a graphic element to go along with that, which I which I liked. But what what were the big spots? Was it a pie graph? It was pie. Was, well, it was a pie enough. Graph. I wanted to actually <laughs> shoot a pie with yeah. pieces taken out of it, but I'm afraid we got our uh, art director of the copy a little bit too late for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so some of them were exactly what you would think. Um, Bellevue mm-hmm. was was number one on the list, uh, and Donaldson was number two, uh, and I think they were within a vote of each other. Um, and I'd say that's pretty fair, wouldn't you, Chris? Yeah, those are areas that I know people want to serve, but I don't know if investors and chefs are willing to make the jump out there. I think it's going to take some some neighborhood talent that yeah. wants to work closer to home. I think, I, and I have I've been saying this for years. Like the the first person that goes into Bellevue and really knocks it out of the park and builds builds a really great fine dining uh, establishment uh, is going to print money. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just sort of it's just sort of underserved, because if you're in Bellevue and you want a really great meal, most of the time you're getting in your car and you're coming to Midtown or you're coming to the Gulch or you're coming downtown or East Nashville. You're not staying out on the far west side of town, and even even on Charlotte Avenue, kind of coming in, Charlotte's gotten a lot better, particularly like out towards the Nations. You've got some great places like Nikki's Coal Fired and EIO and a couple of others that have that are doing really good work, but it's, you know, the West side of town is, is a little bereft. Uh, and I, I think they could, they could really use something. The other one's Donaldson, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, a, an East side locale that has, you know, has a ton of strip malls. It has a ton of, uh, kind of, I mean, there's a few sort of chains. I think there's an Applebee's out that way. And there's some small local places like Fat Bites and I mean, uh, Darfons was a big deal. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> when I used to work out there, but they also have some zoning regulations where it's not easy to find a cool old house in a cool neighborhood and put in a restaurant. You're pretty much limited to what can you build out of that strip mall. Right, right. And it, it's going to be a challenge. But again, Donaldson, the first person that puts like a really great restaurant in Donaldson is going to be able to pull from Donaldson Hermitage and Mount Juliet in a way that nobody can nobody is right now. It's not the sexiest thing in the world, uh, but there, I think I think there's money to be made out there. You think I'm right wrong? I mean there's a lot more concentration of people living there than have been in Wedgwood Houston in the last 20 years and yeah. people, you know, yeah. you can't find an old church building and not, somebody's not willing to put a tiki bar into it. So, <laughs> and God bless them, I can't wait. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and something I wanted to sort of wrap up with um, is Beard Awards. Who, de- who deserves one? This year we saw a lot of semi-finalists, but no chefs, no restaurants made it into the finalists. Um, who hasn't gotten one yet that from Nashville that deserves one? The most misspelled and most mispronounced name in Nashville among chefs. Josh Habiger. 
Uh, not Harbinger, not, not Harbinger, or <laughs> Haybinger. All those things were were entered. I'm going to go ahead and combine those all into one strong vote for Josh from the chefs of Nashville. Of course, at Bastion, uh, mm-hmm. at Bastion, which was uh, which was our um, restaurant of the year in the, in the best of Nashville issue this year. I mean, Josh is a hell of a chef, uh, and I don't know anybody that's gone into Bastion and not walked out with just I mean, just sterling reviews. Uh, it is it, it is it is one of the more sort of unique experiences in town w- with how he builds this kind of small tasting menu. Or you can go in there with a bigger group and they have this feast option where you taste a lot of things and then they have some big format dishes. I think when we were on the review for it, we had like a big whole duck with, you know, kind of like that perfect crispy skin. And we had a few other, few other things in addition to like all of the – the really super creative small plates. Um, I mean, Josh is very, very creative. Of course, you know, he was, he started at Catbird Seat uh, here in town. He was the opening chef at Pinewood Social and has kind of built out that menu. He is really, really talented. But there were, I mean, there were a bunch of names in there. And really the only ones that got multiple mentions other than Josh, who was the overwhelming response, would be Margo McCormick mm-hmm. and Andy Little. And, and I guess a couple for Jess at 210. Well, no, for Philip uh, Krajic. Oh, Philip Krajic, he got two. Uh, Rolf and Daughters, yeah. yeah. Um, Jess, uh, Jessica Benefield, who... Uh, who's, 210 Jack. Yeah, 210 Jack. Uh, the MC for Iron Fork. That's she, right. She's a past Iron Fork winner. Twice? Did she win it twice? Uh, it sounds right. Yeah, she won yeah. She won a few years ago and then came back when we did an All-Star event. That's right. It was the mm-hmm. All-Star year. She took that one, too. Uh, and, you know, she's super talented. Uh, but she was on... She, she got the most votes for when we asked... Uh, who's the most underrated chef. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Margo, Andy Little, and Philip Krejcik uh, were the ones that got the most sort of votes for who they think should be uh, a Beard finalist. Uh, and let's, we should talk about the Beards for a little bit this year. There were six Nashville entities that ended up in some form of semifinalist uh, this year. Um the the Goldbergs for restaurants uh, 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 restaurateurs of the year, um, Henrietta Red Henrietta Red for best new restaurant, uh, Habiger and Little for and Margo and Margo for uh, were all semifinalists for a Beard Award this year, um, and then Lisa Donovan is the only finalist in the group for an essay uh, that she wrote for. Uh, food and wine that if you haven't read, you should absolutely go find because it's one of the more powerful right. things you'll read this year. And Lisa Marie. Oh, and Lisa, Lisa Marie, Marie White, White for uh, for Pastry Chef. Uh, but, you know, again, semifinalists didn't make the finalists. But it was interesting. The way the beards have always worked in, at least in our region, is you have to kind of pay your dues. So you would you would get onto the finalist list and hang around for a few years and then then win, you know, then win an award. That's how Tandy won. He was a finalist, I think, for three years. At least he was like the Susan Lucci. You know, <laughs> for three yeah. years before he before he won, the, the they really shook it up this year. The only finalist from the region who was a, was a holdover, I believe, were the guys from Andy and Michael. Yeah, from Andy and Michael uh, Italian Kitchen in Memphis. Which, by the way, if you haven't been to that or Hog and Hominy, Hog and Hominy, their other place is, you know, you should. Next time you're in Memphis, make sure you book your reservations. It's a great place. Um, but they really shook up the region, uh, and I think that's great. Uh, I, 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 I'm not a fan of people sitting on a list for years waiting your turn. I think it should be more a reflection of kind of what you've been doing in the last year. Now, Chris, that's tough because 
beard voters for our region are are responsible for looking at restaurants in what? Charleston, Atlanta, Nashville, Louisville, Memphis, the Little Car- Rock. The Carolinas. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's just uh, it's a really broad region. It's a really broad region. Uh, it's hard to get to all those places. Wait, Kentucky's in there too, right? Because because Edward Lee had been on the list for a few years for his for his Louisville places, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's really really tough to win. Um, but I think, I, I mean, honestly, I, I think the the talent in Nashville among the top tier folks is as good as you're going to find in a lot of these other places. Uh, Nashville doesn't have the same rep as, as Charleston. Uh, you just got back from, from Charleston Food and Wine. I did. I'm still paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> how's, the, uh, how's the Lipitor uh, treating you right now? It's doing its job, so <laughs> limping my gouty way around. So, But it's, uh, it, it's, it's a tough thing to win. I think Nashville has the talent. I think, I think Josh will, will eventually be a finalist here pretty soon. Uh, but there's some other people that, that got votes that I think are – are you know could could certainly work their way in. Julia Sullivan from Henrietta Red, uh, you know that that restaurant has had about as good a first year as you're going to find. Uh, Matt Bolas at 404 Kitchen. Of course, they just moved across the street where into the old Watermark space. He finally has something bigger than a 35 or 40 seat a place to showcase his food. Um, Brian Weaver at Butcher and Bee uh, is, I think, kind of universally liked around town uh, as as one of the more creative guys. Uh, and you know Jessica Benefeld uh, from uh, from Two Ten Jack. I mean, she is she's a super talented, sort of off the radar kind of chef. That well, don't don't forget Philip. He is a chef's favorite around the region. Philip Frederick. Ab- that's where chefs go to eat when they mm-hmm. come to town. Rolf yeah. and daughters. I mean that that pasta. If you haven't if you've been in if you haven't been in uh, Rolf and daughters here in the last year or so. I mean it, that pasta is is just about as well made as anything you're going to find. It's Absolutely amazing. All right, you're making me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that might be where we ought to leave it in that case, because I think I need an afternoon snack. Uh, We got the Iron Fork coming up tomorrow night. I believe, Chris, you're one of our judges once again. And I'd like to point out real quick about that, that in the years we've done Iron Fork, uh, when you talk about female chefs doing well in Nashville, we have had three female double winners. Yep. Between Deb Paquette and Laura Wilson and Jess Benefield. So I think we're ahead of trend on that, and uh, I hope we get a... A good performance tomorrow night from all four of the chefs. Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good crowd. It's always a fun event. If you haven't been there, you should definitely check it out. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this late, go ahead and mark your calendar for next year. <laughs> it's really one of the best food events you're going to find. And if you're not listening to this late, we're probably sold out by this point anyway. But give it a <laughs> shot. Try to buy a ticket anyway. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. And if you're listening, check out NashvilleScene.com to read this year's annual food industry survey. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Glad to be here.